Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Six, seven months into our marriage with a very elaborate 10-year plan completely laid out, we discovered, as Mike likes to say, that spontaneity can cause people. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off, Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everyone to Paradox. I'm Jimmy along with Josh. And uh, today we are so pleased to have with us Julie Lyles Carr and her husband, Mike Carr. Guys, welcome. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Julie is the women's pastor at Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas. Um, helped with the founding of Legacy of Hope, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, she is a, a writer. She's a blogger. She's a speaker. And her very first book is coming out soon, probably at the time of this airing. And it's entitled Raising an Original, put out by Zondervan. Uh, Julie, how does that sound that you wrote a book that Zondervan is publishing? <laughs> Still somewhat pinching myself, and it's just been the realization of a long time hope, and it still feels very surreal. <laughs> it's been really fun. <laughs> now, Mike is a financial manager, um, which I think is so funny that I I can't manage my own, and yet you do it for other people. That's you do scary, it so well. It? <laughs> you ask other people, and you they pay you to take care of their finances. That is so weird. Yeah, it is indeed, but uh, it's fun. See, that's what I mean. It's fun. It's sort of, I'm so glad God made, like, morticians. People <laughs> to mess with dead bodies. I'm so glad God this, created people who, like Mike. Who put Jimbo on the mic? This thing is running off the rails. We're not getting and, and you're equating morticians and financial advisors. Well, I, so I see that. that. Okay. In a way. <laughs> no, I, in fact, I think I would rather mess with a dead body, then balance my checkbook. <laughs> I think I, I prefer that. Checkbook probably shows that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right. So not only are these guys highly successful in their own right, but they also have, <clears throat> just a second, because I sort of get choked up saying it, eight children. So let me speak on behalf of our listening audience. Were you both brain damaged at some point in your lives or was this planned discuss go ahead jewel well i i really didn't think i'd even get a kitten out of my car and when he proposed although the details are a little hazy it was something like marry me travel the world probably don't have kids that kind of thing um and so Six, seven months into our marriage with a very elaborate 10-year plan completely laid out, we discovered, as Mike likes to say, that spontaneity can cause people. And we discovered we were expecting our first baby. And so our minute, first baby well, was born That's a t-shirt. You say that one more time. <laughs> that's a bumper sticker. What was it? Spontaneity can cause people. Spontaneity can cause people. Yeah. I love it. Spontaneity causes people. <laughs> yep. That's a life lesson for and all of so our young we, uh, listeners. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it though? We can just lead with that. So we had our first baby. All the young couples out there need to know. Spontaneity well, either that people. or book two. 
So that's how it began. I thought we would just have one. And then Mike says, these are some of the more dangerous words to come out of my mouth. Michael? Oh, she, about every two and a half to three years, she'd say, what do you think about maybe just one more? And I thought, oh, yeah, sure. One more of the famous last words. Just one more. I can handle just one more. (laughs) And the rest, as they say, is history. Right, right. When number seven turned into number seven and eight. That was that was God just poking at you. That was God just having a good time with both of you. That's right. I do have to say yeah, that one morning, I, yeah, I, one morning I came, I came, I woke early, early in the morning to find Julie with both of them, and she looked up, just exhaustion in her face, and I thought, oh no, and then the smile came across her face, and she said, they should always come in pairs. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> this isn't good. Now then, your book is entitled Raising an Original. And y'all may know from our right. banter, we all know each other. And if you right. knew the car's children, you would not be surprised by the title. If there were a group of 100 children, <laughs> I could pick out every car child. Um, you have raised eight originals. And in a world where our children sometimes come out looking like cookie cutters, dressing the same, talking the same, interested in the same, how were you guys able to foster, I mean, kids that almost were impervious to peer pressure? How did you, how did you raise originals? I think for us, it wasn't that we started with some, you know, really well, well laid out plan and thought about what our parenting style was going to look like, but we just we believe in making laughter and fun a really big part of our parenting experience and our our kids' experiences. And we just always have delighted in people who are weird and interesting and and fascinating and and have their own story to tell. And so I think that just because that's a dynamic that Mike and I both share, we just loved the differences in our children. And they were born as very different people. It's just fascinating to me in a group of eight kids how incredibly different they all are from each other. And we just embraced it. And I think that is why they have turned out to be as original as they are. And, and boy, are they. <laughs> and, you know, I, I had the same philosophy, like when Josh was born. I said, buddy, you can, you know, when it comes to football, offense or defense, you know, just be your own person. <laughs> yeah, I like to tell people he shoved a helmet well, on me at an early age and really gave me no choice. <laughs> now then, hey, hey. You know, Jimmy, the one thing I thought about was um, one thing I loved about my dad was he, from very early on, he would always tell me, look, whether I was in trouble, no matter what I was doing, he would say, I'm going to love you no matter what. There's there's nothing you can ever do that will make me love you any less, and then would kind of go on to say what he wanted to say. But I tried to take that forward, and Julie and I tried to take that forward, and I wonder if that didn't create in our kids this idea that they they could be loved for exactly who they were, and yeah. so they weren't afraid to be exactly who they were. And I think parents say that all the time. I think they say that because I think they feel it, and they certainly know they're, if they're Christians, especially, they're supposed to say that. But the reality of their lives is they don't really back those statements up. 
Um, you know, they show from their affection, their excitement, their lack of excitement, their lack of affection, uh, that they really are wanting those kids to follow a certain path. I think that parents really do have a fear that they're going to be judged by other parents, that they're going to be judged Mm -hmm. by their faith community. We certainly have experienced times that we let on occasion, the kids show up wearing, you know, plastic princess shoes in winter in the snow without socks and, and got dressed down in a couple of public settings for that kind of a thing. So there is a real parental judgment that goes on back yeah. and forth, and it's difficult to fight that fear to release it and just say, I'm going to raise these kids the way that these kids, I'm not raising your kids or, or your, you know, paradigm of what you think raising kids should look like. I, before God, I'm going to raise the kids he gave me. And the reality is nobody has ever raised your kids before. So they have no idea the dynamics and the personalities. Are there, are there foundational truths to raising kids? Of course. But there's so much play and expression within the borders of righteousness for individuality to be just celebrated. And so I think parents really have to push back and fight back against that fear of what other people may say about their parenting. And then we are forever trying to get ourselves, our own identity, out of how those kids present. And that can be a real challenge. Um, it's, we do tend to put so much identity into our kids. And to release them to be their own people is a very courageous act. But it frees them to really be who they are, not just yeah. little clones of us. Mike, a lot of questions for you. I think a lot, you know, part of what we want to do here is open up this parenting and marriage discussion for guys. And I think when a lot of guys would hear eight children, they would just sort of fall into the fetal position and suck their thumbs. (laughs) Uh, The mere thought of that many children. What What a lot of them would say was, I would not have a life if that were true. So when you look at who you are as a husband, certainly as a father, but just who you are as a man, how do you, how do you kind of maintain who you are as a guy with so much parental responsibility? Yeah, um, here, here in the recent years, and I guess that stretches back even to when they were, when they were younger, there are things now that I like to do that I typically we'll grab a kid and or a couple of kids and we'll go do that together, whether it's going to live soccer games or going to New York together or going to going camping or boating. Um, and salsa dancing and, and it takes the girls salsa dancing. <laughs> well, that's right. Excellent. That's right. Yeah, that's been that's been fun as the, the girls have gotten older to go salsa dancing with them and, and having adventures like that. And, and But even now that I think about it, Madison, our oldest, laughs and says, Dad, you were way too young to be having children when she thinks about some of the fun things she and I did and and things that uh, that I that I teased her about that she didn't know I was teasing at the time. Um, now that and also there are times whenever, you know, Julie really – she, I tend to be kind of an extreme extrovert, and there are times when Julie allows me a good bit of latitude to go and do something I really want to do, even if it's not in those seasons when the kids weren't weren't in a position where they could go hiking a long way or something like that. Right. 
And let me just step in here very quickly because people may not know you are internationally renowned in Toastmasters. <laughs> and, and oh, I love that say, everybody. Man. If you have not had his peanut butter and cinnamon toast, you have <laughs> missed one of the great things in life. Toast masters. <laughs> Mike, uh, right. Jimmy wanted to work that in, so no matter know, what you I said know. today, he was going to find a way to work because I'd in. written that one down. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Go ahead. I can make a mean toast. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know a lot of dads. Um, you know, I, I love hearing you say that because, you know, being a husband and a dad is your life, you know, right? it's, you know, you've obviously got more stuff going on, but, you know, I've never, ever in either one of you, um, you know, detect, detected some type of resentment of, of how much these kids and the work that's involved with them has hampered you from being you and, it, it just seems as though, the, though you guys have just embraced this, uh, and, it's, and it's your joy and your calling. It's a lot of we fun. Really and there, there are fun people. I do. Yeah. I've known so, families, and I've known particularly large families, who develop, you know, came up with these large families out of a real sense of conviction. They were supposed to have big families, but it's been a bit of a case study in misery for some of them. And mm-hmm. I suppose that we just really felt like if, if God was calling us to do this and have this big family, you know, that was going to be, you can't go to Costco without attracting a crowd when you take that many kids with you. We felt a real sense of responsibility to really enjoy it because it just, we want people to understand it's, it's a ball. It really is. And it's a different way of life. It's not for everybody. And it's certainly not something we're trying to promote as a lifestyle everybody should have. Oh, that's good. But oh, that's so we good. do think it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> So with with both of y'all having full-time jobs with eight different children, how do you guys find time to prioritize the marriage? <laughs> well, my kids, now, now, I'm, now I'm interested to hear what she's going to say. <laughs> I hope this isn't news to you, Mike. Um, my kids have posted on social media before. Mike, Mike and I just make no bones about locking ourselves away in the in the bedroom and putting a sign on the door telling the kids that we are don't don't knock mom and dad are praying and then we cross out praying and put out and making out and, and the kids are posted no on social media and that kind of thing we just we're just very bold and we you have to be when you're living with this many people in a house but i think that the side effect <laughs> what are you going to do really tell them nothing's time, happening yeah i mean what are you going to say and so we I think the side effect of it that's really beautiful is the kids know that the marriage is a priority and they know that the romance between the two of us is central to what makes everything else work. And so they have responded really well. And I think they're a little startled when they go to someone's house and that's not the environment they encounter there because we have been very, very open with them. And for me, it was the only way to really, I could, that I could figure out functionally to keep the marriage at the center and keep the romance at the center because we went through what a lot of people do, the super tight budget. And can you imagine trying to pay for a babysitter for eight kids? So there were times that we were definitely going to have to date in our own home. And if we had waited for a babysitter or the budget to go out to a fancy dinner or those kind of things, then the marriage wouldn't have been priority. I'd love to say that we have a specific night of the week that's always date night or that kind of thing. But the kind of dynamics at this house, there's always somebody having to go somewhere or something going on or neighborhood kids. It's just, it's like living in a dorm. 
But I think the thing that we've always kept constant is a really strong sense of affection, a really strong sense of public display of affection. And that, I think, for us, has kept the marriage at center and has been very much a witness to the kids. What a, and it what about them the, out a little, which is fun, too. <laughs> what about the kids? I mean, with eight of them, especially with the kids that maybe, uh, and I don't necessarily know uh, your children, but if you have one that normally likes to hide, maybe a, a less... You know um, you don't know the car children, then, do you? <laughs> less out there, but how do you prioritize <laughs> each of the kids? There are a few... Okay, now, my kids can't hear me say this, but um, I actually have a spreadsheet... <laughs> Uh, that just and and in reality, it's it there is um, a spreadsheet where I just have them listed top to bottom, and I will go through and put a a check mark by each one as we do something individually together, whether it's go get frozen yogurt or just take a walk around the block or go to a soccer game or or go to salsa dancing and and just try to rotate that, rotate that through. But um, it has, it has become, even if it's just a 30 minute walk around the block. Now I don't do this well, or we don't do this well all the time, but trying to do something every day with one of them individually. And even, even if it's just running to the store and back, you know, that, that, it doesn't have to be a big trip and just that time together. Sometimes that's some of the richest time we have. And Mike, I want to jump in real quick. I, I hope we always ask people do paradox together. You know, this don't record it for your husband and let him listen, you know, or what it, listen to it together. And, and guys, I really hope you just heard what Mike said. Look over the fact that he's a money guy and he uses a spreadsheet, but how, <laughs> how proactive he is. Again, I think so many dads have the greatest intentions in the world of doing what you're talking about, but they don't get a spreadsheet out and make sure it happens. So you were, you were very intentional and, and very proactive about it. Yeah. Before I, before I was that, that proactive, before I used the tools, then I just, I would notice that I wouldn't get it done. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I had to do to make it happen. And I'm going to do what I need to do to make it happen. I think with the genius in it, too, is it really speaks to these different personalities, like Josh was saying, within our children. We do have, yes, our kids are all very big personality, but we do have some that are truly more introverted, a little bit more like I am, and, and some that are more extroverted. And the ones that are more extroverted, and we have a couple in particular who are very open about their emotions and will just tell you, I just feel like I haven't spent any time with you and we haven't gone to get yogurt or we haven't done this. And you find, you can find yourself tending toward those kids more often just because they're more vocal about their needs. So it is really powerful, I think, to have some kind of tool to keep track of when was the last time I did have a good yeah, conversation sure. or some alone Absolutely. time with this one or that one, because we've got a couple that can fly under the radar not because they're yep. trying to avoid, they're just more, they just go along a little bit more. They're not quite as needy. Sorry, some of my other kids, but they're, they're just not going to be as verbose and as expressive if they feel like they haven't had time. So I think that's part of what's genius and what Mike does, yeah. because it really honors each of their personalities in a way that keeps track. Now with all these unique kids, how do you guys foster family unity? 
<laughs> humor. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, this is where this is where sometimes the schedules and um, the schedules and the planning just have to go by the wayside. And as kids come spilling into the house late at night, and we'll we'll stand around the island in the kitchen and start telling stories and and start laughing. There is a lot of humor. Uh, a, a lot of humor get bring, it seems to bring people in and we've got thankfully we everybody in the family is either either really funny or a really good audience and I fall in that latter category and I certainly enjoy it as much as anybody else sitting there and just laughing and hearing hearing everybody tell their stories but sometimes it goes very late and it's you know tired the next day but it's it, over time it's really worth it Julie, do, anything to add really to that? We really do spend a lot of time laughing. We do spend a lot of time laughing, and I think that, in a sense, it has become our tribal vernacular. We all laugh hard. We actually have our own little private Facebook page where we send each other stuff, funny quotes and videos. We have this element of humor that runs throughout everything, and I think that's been a really big component of our family experience. We do find the same things funny, and it does have its own language and its own culture that it begins to propagate. And I think that's been a really big part of it as well. I think, too, you know, we have some kids who love to go on adventures, and I think they get to have those adventures with Mike, and some who maybe they're not quite as adventuresome, but they still get that experience with Mike. We have other kids who are more project-driven, and I'm a little bit more like that. I like to dig in and do stuff together, build something, fix something, whatever. And so they've all been part of that experience as well. And I think those kinds of things also foster that culture of a family. You know, here's what we do. You know, we go on adventures. We we replace the heating element in the dryer. You know, we, we do some things like that <laughs> together. And I think that those senses of accomplishment or exploration are really powerful. We have some good friends that, that are that are just enough older than us uh, that they spent some time in Central America. And they came, they came with the phrase juntos, you know, all together. And we we learned that from them and saw how tight they were as a family. And so in some way, I think we've tried to adopt that. Whatever we're doing, it's, it's juntos. You guys are such a sweet, a sweet family, a sweet couple, and y'all fostered a sweet family. Uh, thank y'all for joining us today. Uh, if you're listening and want to hear more about Julie and Michael, you can find them both on Instagram and Twitter. Julie's Instagram handle is Julie Lyles Carr. Michael's is Michael L. Lloyd Carr. Twitter is Julie Lyles Carr as well. And then Mike Carr ATX. And listen, guys, for um, uh, for those of you that are in the Austin area, um, in August, uh, Julie is going to be teaching her book, Out of Life Austin, correct, on Mondays? We're going to be starting with Life Moms on Mondays in September, right after the book releases. And we okay. would love to have moms come and be a part of that. It'd be exciting. Absolutely. And they could just check out what, lifeaustin.com to find details? Yes, they can go to lifeaustin.com and they can find all the details there. And we'll be jumping right into Raising an Original. Raising an Original. Run, don't walk, guys, and pick it up. Julie, Mike, <laughs> love you to death. Thank you so very much. Thank you, guys. Love uh, thank you all. Thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. Jimbo. When it comes to... Jimbo. What? I'm going to ignore you. Or I'm going to interrupt you, rather. Okay. You interrupted me. I was not finished with my spiel. Which spiel? 
I'm sorry, everyone. I would also like to give you JulieLowsCar.com as contact information. Jimbo loves jumping in. I do. <laughs> no, but seriously, go go find her. Uh, she's fantastic. He's fantastic. And y'all would definitely enjoy her blog as well. Well, since you and I both, we sort of do marriage and family for a living. It's what we do. Um, and I think uh, Mike and Julie would... They would be on my parenting Mount Rushmore. Uh, If there were in all of my years of dealing with all of everybody, if I had to say some people who got parenting right before God and each other, and they just got it right, Julie and Mike would be one of those rare, rare couples. Yeah, I certainly don't know them all that well. I've spent a little bit of time, but I don't go to church with them. Um, But just hearing from them, there's such wisdom. Um, and part of me says, well, I'd hope so after eight of them, right? Like they had figured it out after eight. as mud not to pick up something after, after eight. eight. tries, but no, I mean, just the, the unity, uh, the juntos, what did he say? That's what I mean. Yeah, it's incredible. They're purposeful. Yeah. yeah. Everything, you would think that would just be a giant circus. Yep. Uh, but what they do is so measured and purposeful. And when I, you know, I hear all the time, well, you know, I'd love to, but I just can't spend time with the kids. Not as much as I want. You have two kids. Correct. They have eight. Exactly. They have eight children. Yep. And he is a very, very successful uh, financial person. And long hours and travel. Yep. And, and she just does everything in the world. And they do it with eight kids. So let's stop making excuses uh, and just do what God has called us to do. Yeah, both marriage as well as parenting, it requires a selflessness. And so many people don't want to give that up. And these these two have figured it out. Yep, absolutely. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that visit with Mike and Julie Carr. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Y'all have a good... Oh, uh, ParadoxPodcast.com. You can find us also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Docs Podcast. You can also find me at all three of those platforms, Doc Josh Myers. I interrupted again, didn't I? Go for it. On Facebook, I'm Dr. Jimmy Myers. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Jay Myers Fam. See ya. You guys have a good one. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Garb. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Careful, careful. I said a wife. Right. A just, wife, a generic wife. Just can't pick on like women. Like call central casting. Two I men. need a wife. <laughs> Two men can't sit around picking on women. Okay. Let's say <laughs> Gender there neutral. was. Uh, no, go go with your example. I'm, ju- I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's say I was married to a dude. <laughs>